Amen. Now, if, if, if this is your first Sunday with us or back with us, or if this may be your first Sunday ever watching us online, I just want to say this. Congratulations. You landed right in the middle of our money series. You know how to pick them, don't you? But I also want to say this, just, just, just relax. For those of you with some church background, the book of Malachi will probably not be mentioned during the whole of this series. Some of you know what that means, don't you? Okay, this isn't a series to talk about tithing. This is a series where what we are looking to do is address the things that our folks said are very real concerns for them. The question was asked, what's the one thing that's most likely to keep you awake at night? And one of the top answers that came back from so many people was financial concerns. And so what we're going to do over three weeks now, last week was the start of this series, we're going to look at some of the things that the Bible teaches about financial concerns with the, from the perspective of how can we get rid of the stress, the anxiety, the worry that a number of people seem to be carrying. Now, for some of you this morning, the things that I'm going to share will be old news because you discovered them a while back and you've been living by them. And I hope that what this morning's teaching will do is that it will just reinforce that for you and encourage you to keep doing things the way you're doing them. Some of you will have heard the things I'm going to share this morning multiple times and maybe kind of you like the tune, but you switched it off in the end. And maybe today's the time to kind of refocus. For some of you, this may be brand new. And I'm thinking particularly about those of you that are nervous of the mail coming because the demands are going to be there for payment, or hesitant every time the phone rings because your car warranty is up. <laughs> no, 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 because, because somebody's hunting you down, yeah, right? Because somebody's hunting you down on the phone because they want you to pay a bill. And, and those kind of things that keep you away. I hope this morning's teaching will be a help to those of you who feel like you're in a hopeless position, feel trapped. So this morning, I call, I call this morning stress busters. And that's what I want to look at because there is a way out. If from a financial perspective, there, there are biblical principles that will help you get out. That's why we're talking about this in church. And actually, we're talking about this in church, not only because there are biblical principles, but because there aren't a lot of people out there that are talking about it. That's why we're really focusing on this, because there, there is a way out. And the thing is, the way out is not something like a special blessing. I've had so many people over the years who've, who've said to me, will you pray for me because I, I, you know, I need the Lord to help me. I need a financial miracle. And they don't need a financial miracle, or maybe they do, but the miracle would be that they stop spending money they don't have. Maybe that's the kind of financial miracle that they really need. Listen, don't be asking God to perform a miracle if you're not listening to the steps that he gives us in his word and living them out first. 
I've never heard anybody say, you know what, ever since we got into debt, our marriage has been so much better. You know, back before we had all these payments, we used to fight all the time. But now, you know, we've never been so close to one another as we are now. I never heard that, and you didn't either, right? I never heard everybody, anybody say, you know, every night when I go to bed, I just thank God that I'm in debt. I really do praise Him, because years ago, I didn't have any debt, whatever. But I thank God now, because I've got these payments I really can barely keep up with. No, I never heard that one. I'll tell you what I have heard plenty of times. I've heard people say, I wish I could help this person who's in need, but I can't just now. I've heard people say, I'd love to go on a missions trip, but that's just not possible. I wish that one of us could stay at home with the kids, but that's not even close to being an option. I have heard people say, I wish we didn't have this stress because we're fighting all the time. So I'm going to give you three, three easy steps, quick steps, that are, going, that are really stress busters. Okay, you ready for this? Today I want to suggest to you, number one, get a grip. Number two, get real. And number three, get a plan. That sounds like a real New York in-your-face sermon, doesn't it? Yeah. Right? <laughs> get a grip, get real, get a plan. And, and, and basically, you know, this is what God's Word encourages us in. And, and Proverbs 22, 27, let's think about this. How do you get a grip? Well, one way to get a grip is to realize what's really going on. Proverbs 22, 27, Charlotte mentioned this last Sunday. I want to dwell on it for a few minutes this morning. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. All right, when I talk about getting a grip, let, let, let's really get a hold on the reality. The reality is this, the borrower is the slave of the lender. The fact is you work for the lender. The lender owes you. So it's like, you know what, I'd love to get a new car. So I'm going to get the new car. And then, you know, I've got the payments on the new car. But the other side of me is saying, I wish I didn't have to do the second job. And, and when I talk about get real, it's like, can we just connect two things here? If you didn't have the payments on the new car, maybe you wouldn't need to be doing the second job. But the fact is, you've got to do the second job because you are the servant of the lender. You owe. And because you owe, you've got, to do, you've got to do more than you would want to do. You've got to be working harder than you want to be. You're going to be seeing less of your family when you, than you really want to see uh, so that you've got the car sitting outside your place of work and sitting outside your home. The, the challenge is that a lot of people never really worked out, never learned. They never perhaps saw an example in their own families growing up, and they certainly don't teach you this stuff in school. And the fact is, many of us learn financial wisdom the hard way. 
Okay, nobody said amen there, but I didn't expect you to, but, right? But, but I, I'm, I'm going to guess that many of us actually learned financial wisdom the hard way. We kind of came to the place where we felt there's a better way. And the fact is, we've all made mistakes. And you might be here today and you, you, you feel as if, uh, you, you feel maybe to some degree, you know, what's up with me that I can't, I can't get it right? But the fact is, you may feel overwhelmed. You may feel helpless. You may feel embarrassed. And maybe you look at where you're at financially and you tend to put your head in the sand, but you can put your head in the sand, but the problem won't go away. The rich rule over the poor. They've got you. They've got you. The borrower is slave to the lender. And here's the thing. God wants something better for you and me than bondage. Jesus said, Jesus said that, that those who followed him and trusted him would know the truth. And he said the truth would do what? The truth will? The truth will set you free. That's what Jesus plans for us. Jesus wants us to live in freedom. When Jesus said, I've come to, so you can have life and have it more abundantly, that's the life that Jesus wants us to be living. If I am laying awake at night and if I am kind of pouring with sweat because I'm so anxious, then the reality is I'm not living the abundant life that Jesus died to give to me. In Galatians chapter 5, it says this. It's, it's, it says... Jesus set us free so that we would live in freedom. Don't become entangled with bondage again. That's the Roger Liberal translation of that verse. God set us free so we would live free. And he says, don't let yourself get tied up and be slaves again. But the truth is, the borrower is the slave of the lender. And I want you to imagine this morning what it might be like to be free of financial stress. Something breaks and you don't have to panic, you get it fixed and pay the bill. Or you want to buy something and you've got the cash to pay for it, and you don't have to put it on a card with interest. Or someone is in need and you're able to say to that person, hey, I can help you. Or you've got a vacation week and you're actually, you've got choices where you want to go because you've got money to pay for a vacation. You've got options. That's the kind of freedom of life that Jesus wants for us. And there's, a, there's very much a spiritual element in our approach to finance. In Exodus Chapter 19 and verse 5, God says this, the whole earth is mine. All right, that's a pretty good starting point. Are you cool with that? You need to be because God said it, right? So, so God says the whole earth is mine. So, so basically he said everything belongs to me. Now over, over in, in the first book of Chronicles, when they, they dedicated the temple to the Lord, there's a fantastic prayer there. And part of that prayer in 1 Chronicles 29 goes like this. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. 
You're the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. I want you just to notice that bit there where, where it says, wealth and honor come from you. So, in Exodus 19, God says, the whole earth is mine. And then here in First Chronicles, it says, wealth and power come from God. God owns everything, so everything that I might have, it comes from God. You, you and me here? Wealth and power come from God. Whatever I've got, be it much, be it little, whatever I've got, I've got because God is gracious and God is good. Then in Deuteronomy chapter eight, I want, I want to just, this is God reminding the people of Israel how they need to stay focused on him. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for He it is who gives you the ability to produce wealth. There's none of us can look around at anything and say, look what I've done. Look what I've done. It is the Lord our God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. We, we, were, we, we are all in different situations. But the bottom line is this, anything we've done, anything we achieved, it comes from this. It comes from the way God made us, it comes from the way God shaped us, and it comes from what other people have taught us too. It all comes from God. So anything and everything I have, I've got to recognize it comes from God. So the cash I've got in my pocket even right now, it's from God, whatever I've got. The car that I drove here in this morning, it is from God. It is God's provision. The house that we live in, it is from God. It is God's provision. Everything I have is from God. And I need to be a faithful steward of everything God has given to me. And when our heart's really aligned with God spiritually, you know, it's a lot easier to get things right in the natural world. How do you get rid of stress over finance? The, the first thing is just get a grip and be realistic about what's going on. Number one, I'm a slave to anybody I've borrowed from. My life isn't mine, my life is theirs as I continue to pay them. How do I get a grip? I recognize that everything I've got comes from God and I need to be faithful. In, in fact, <laughs> getting a grip for some of us might begin with a very simple prayer. God give me self-control. God, give me some. I, I'm going to, I'm actually going to tick off all the ladies first and then the men. And then I'm going to leave. Um, so, <laughs> no, but, but here's, here, here, here is my generalization and observation of, you know, from, from a few years of life. It's this, that, that men and women are very different when it comes to shopping and spending. Now, in general, women are fantastic bargain hunters. 
incredibly good bargain hunters. They will, they will, you know, they, they will look through stuff and they will sort through stuff and they'll spend time there, you, you know, just working out. And then they, will, then they will come home and they will announce, you'll never guess how much I saved today. Right? Now, it costs them $300 to save what they saved. But, but, that's, but, but you, you know, we live in a consumer society that depends on our consumption. So there, there are pressures, and some of them pretty subtle, to get us to spend money. I had an email the other day from Coles. God bless them. They knew it was my birthday. <laughs> I was very impressed. And they said, because it's your birthday this month, we are sending you $5 of Coles cash. And you know what my knee-jerk reaction was? Okay, hey, I need to go and check that out. Now, does any of you think that if I went into Coles, I would only spend $5? Because if you are, there's a bridge I want to talk to you about selling to you, okay? No, 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 they, 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 they reel you in with, with $5. And for them, it's a real good leader because you go in with your $5 off and then, you know, Lord knows what you spent before you came out of the door. But like, I did good because I had a coupon for $5. It's like, hey, stupid, you spent 75 <laughs> that you weren't going to spend anyway. But, but in general, ladies are, are very good bargain hunters. But even so, a bargain's not a bargain if I haven't got the money to really pay for it. And if it goes on a card that I'm making payments on, the reality is it wasn't a bargain at all because by the time you kept paying interest month after month, they got you. Guys are different. Guys don't do that. Guys, they bet the house. They sink the whole ship. Guys are, hey, my friend's got a boat. I'm going to buy his boat. Right? Right? They didn't see a top on clearance for $5. You know what? That's not what guys do. You know, my friend's got this boat. He's getting rid of this boat. I want to buy his boat. So they blow up the whole thing like, Right? And of course, if you get away with buying the boat, then suddenly your truck's not big enough to tow the boat, right? So it's like, you know what, I'm going to have to get a bigger truck now to, to, to tow the boat. And then now you've got the boat and you've got a truck and, and you're paying money on both of those. And it's like, what's the point of this boat? We need a lake house upstate. <laughs> yeah, guys don't look for the bargain rails at, at, at Macy's, man. They, you know. They blow the whole thing up. Lord, help me to say no. How, how do you get rid of stress? Sometimes you've got to nip it in the bud. You've got to kill it at the source. Decreasing financial stress means getting a grip. And when you learn to say no for a little while, you can say yes, perhaps for the rest of your life. You may love to eat out a couple of times a week, but if you're putting on a credit card because you haven't got the money actually to be able to afford it, maybe you should make some nice meals at home for a while, and then you'll be able to eat where you want to eat for the rest of your life. You may need to say no to $5 cups of coffee for a while. 
and go back to simple old 7-Eleven or even brew your own, God forbid. And then one day you can drink whatever coffee you want from wherever you want to do it. Your 12-year-old might be demanding an iPhone 11, and God knows in, in, in today's uh, age, you know, it's considered child abuse not to give your child an iPhone. So your 12-year-old really needs that or younger. But, but maybe you need to say no to your children sometimes so that you can do more things for them later in life. You may want a brand new car, but maybe you need to keep driving your old one so that one day you can drive whatever you want to drive. Step number one in stress busting where finance is concerned is to recognize the borrower is the servant of the lender. And that's not the way Jesus planned for us to live. Can I, can I just make a, well, I'm going to, I just want to say something here because, you, you know, when I started, I said, this is kind of real, it sounds like a real New York in your face kind of sermon. Um, I think just about everybody here this morning knows me well enough to know that when I speak the truth, it's what the Bible talks about, I speak the truth in love. I'm talking about this because I care. There should be no element of condemnation that anybody's feeling here today. I want to help you. I want to show the way ahead. And I know what it's like to lay awake at night sweating over how I'm going to pay the bills. I really do. Hey, when we were, when we were, when we were kind of uh, a few years into ministry and and, and like broke most of the time. I remember, you know, we used to get our, our, our bills in. Anybody remember the olden days when you got bills mailed to the house and you wrote checks? Uh, so, so we used to, you know, I'd, I'd, do the, I'd do the bills and then our, our electric bill would come, our gas bill would come. And you know what I would do sometimes when January came because it's been Christmas and I'm broke. So I would send, I would mail the check to the electric company and the gas company. I know this may not be honest, but it's this church. You can make confession here, right? So, so, so I, would, I would put the date of the check, and it's January, right? So instead of putting 2021, I'd put 2020. And back then, they'd return the check. Nowadays, they probably skip over the fact the date's wrong. They'd re- and I knew they'd return it, but I didn't have the money to pay the bill. So I sent the check in, and it looked like I was trying to pay the bill, but then I'd get it back, and that gave me another few weeks of breathing space so that by then I hope I'd have the money to actually pay the bill. We know what it's like to live hand-to-mouth and very tight indeed. We know. So I get if that's where some of you are today, and I don't want to make your situation worse. I don't want you to feel any worse, but I want you to see through God's Word, you know, there's hope and there's a better way to go. And the only way to get to a better future is to start to create a path. Get a grip. Recognize where you're at. I'm a prisoner of the lender. The second thing is we need to to get real. To really recognize where we're at. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says this, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. We need to be aware of what goes on with our money and when we're spending money that we don't have. When, when we were um, 
We've been married just a couple of years, and it was the early 70s. So there's Jill and I, and our Charlotte was a baby at the time, pastoring a small church in the north of England, and um, really just perpetually struggling to make ends meet. And I got a letter in the mail from our bank with something that was brand new to me I had never heard of before. Now, some of you are going to really wonder how old I am then. It was an invitation to apply for a credit card. You went quiet. Did you realize there was once a time when credit cards were not a thing? <laughs> there was, yes. When dinosaurs roamed the earth, we did not have credit cards. And this was brand, this was like, this, and they, they put it in all these terms, you know, why wait? We can help ease your problems. Here's what we've got. Apply now for our access card, it was called. You can have access to whatever you need access to. That was the very first credit card I'd ever seen anything about. Never heard of credit cards. And here I am, young and broke and naive, and it sounded great the way they explained it. Hey, we can get some of the things we need. Hey, we can take better care of the baby. And so I applied for our access card, and I got our access card, and it was wonderful. We were never broke for a few months until repaying the access card was a big chunk of our budget. And I found there was even less cash around to do what I needed to do. And the curse of the credit card is its name is a lie. It's not giving you anything. It's detracting from you. So important to really fully get a hold of that. They've got you. I was looking at trucks the other day. No, not because I'm going to buy a truck. Dear Lord, I'm not going to buy a truck. But I was just looking at them for the purposes of kind of my conversation this morning. And, and I, saw the, the, I saw the new Ford F-150. Okay, I know you Dodge drivers just tune me out now, right? Okay, but listen, just get over that. All right, just by way of illustration. I look at the new Ford F-150. It looked beautiful, $54,000. So I checked how I could buy it. Now, what I did was, what I did was I looked up because, because if you're in a position where you're, gonna, where, where, where you're staying awake at night over finance, the chances are that you have below average credit, your credit score. So I looked at what would the payments be for somebody who had below average credit. Now, because, you know, dealers want to sell you stuff. They don't care whether you can afford it. They just want to sell it to you and seal the deal. And, and so, if you're a car salesman, argue with me afterwards, all right? But, but here's, but, but, so you can put $1,000 down, that's it. You can put $1,000 down, but then you would need to pay $1,089 a month. So you work out, well, dad, dad, yeah, I could probably do that for 72 months. At the end of 72 months, you will have paid $78,408 for your $54,000 truck. Then you put 1,000 down. 
Oh, and then you paid around $10,000 sales tax. So actually you paid $90,000 for a $54,000 truck. You paid it over six years, and at the end of six years, it's worth $15,000. Now, math may not be your thing, but that's not a good investment. Those are not good numbers. In our culture today, when somebody's going to buy something, generally there are two questions. How much down and what are the payments? Nobody's thinking about what is this really going to cost me? Can I afford it? This is getting real, which is the way you get rid of your stress. You've got to get real. Now, I'm a pastor. You worked that out, right? I'm not a financial planner. I'm not a financial advisor. That is why Charlotte last week, and I'll do the same this week, reminded you that probably the best guy in the Christian world to help you with finance is, is Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey has written books about it. And if you go to RamseySolutions.com, you will find on his website, RamseySolutions.com, you will find on his website a lot of aids that will help you to start getting out of where you're at. And then here's the, here's the final thing. If you want to get rid of financial stress, you've got to get a plan Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit, as sure as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. The plans of the faithful will lead to profit. You will do better, you will get ahead if you make plans. Because the thing is this, you can wander into debt, but you can never wander out of debt. You can stumble into debt, but you'll never stumble out of debt. You can mistake your way into debt, but you'll never mistake your way out of debt. You don't need a miracle to get you out of debt. You need a plan. And you not only need a plan, but you need then to commit to following that plan. James 1 verse 22, don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but, letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Here's the phrase, act on what you hear. Act on what you hear. Listen, Jesus set us free so that we would live free. God is a God who is unbelievably generous. And he wants us to be the same way. But if you are struggling constantly with your own finances, you have no opportunity to be generous. And the danger is you spend so much of your life in anxiety and in fear, which is not God's plan for us. Get a plan. Follow that plan. Live out that plan. To de-stress, you have to do something. You have to do something. 
I want to encourage you to check out Dave Ramsey's website, ramseysolutions.com. I really want to encourage you to take a look there and see what can help you. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Work out a plan towards the freedom that God wants us to live in so that you will be blessed and you can be a blessing. Let's pray together.